So what I wanted to speak to the Eilam about tonight is the concept of friendship and what a friend is all about in the, from the eyes of the Torah, from a Ashkafic standpoint. So I once had a Rebbe who, uh, he was Nifter very young, and long after I was in his shir, I was in his shir in 7th and 8th grade, and then I visited him years and years later, and he was in his house uh, in Brooklyn, and we went down to his, uh, to his office in his house, and we were schmoozing about different things in life, and Agav, in the middle of our conversation, so my Rebbe asked me, he said, how many friends do you have? And, you know, I, I thought of myself as a pretty popular guy, so I said, you know, Baruch Hashem, I have a lot of friends. So he says, no. He says, if you think you have a lot of friends, you have no friends. He said, if you're lucky in life to have one or maybe two friends, then you're a very fortunate person. He said, friendship is not what we commonly define as a friendship. What passes for friendships, um, you know, in our day and age, is if a person, uh, you know, is chummy with somebody, if he's an acquaintance, if you, uh, you know, you can go out to a pizza store with him once in a while, you go bowling here and there, you, uh, uh, you share some good times, you go to great adventure, that's a friendship. But that's not really what a friendship is. That's not a true friendship from a Tyrodica perspective. From a Tyra perspective, what a true friend is, is somebody who is mechubar to you. The Rambam says that a chaver is from a lashon of chibur. Chibur means that you're, you're totally bound to the other person. We would use the terminology, nafshay kishuroi benafshay, that your souls are intertwined, that there is nothing in the world that I would not do for you. If you have a friend like that, that you can call him up at 3 o'clock in the morning if Chas V'Shalom, your car is stuck on, the, uh, you know, on a highway and you have nowhere else to call, and you call this person, he's happy to come and help you, that's a friend. If it's somebody that you need to uh, borrow a lot of money from because you're in Saras and you need to go and he's not going to turn, turn, you know, turn you down and look funny at you and say, uh, you know, maybe another time, I really can't, I don't know if I could do it right now, if he gives it to you sight unseen because you asked for it, that's a friend. But if it's somebody that you don't think that that would be the response, were you to ask that person for a real big favor, then he might be a, an acquaintance, he might be a buddy, he might be a colleague, he might be a peer, but he ain't a friend. That's not how, from the Torah's perspective, we define a chaver. A chaver is milosh and chibor. It has to be somebody that you really can count on through thick and through thin. Not only when things are good in life and when the world is smiling upon you and you're doing well in yeshiva and you're doing well in college and you're doing well in your job and you did a good shidduch and you got married and everything and it's there, it's very easy to be your friend. But what happens when things are not going the way that you want and you're down and out and you, uh, you, know, you really need somebody to be there for you are they there for you then or not? If they're there for you, and they're there for you even more, that's a friend, that's a chibur. But if they're not there for you, if, if they're not there for you, then that is something that, um, 
that is not, it's not what the Torah would consider to be a real friendship. I once had a Rebbe that said that, um, that a Gaiisha definition, or let's say a non-Jewish definition of friendship, is mutual exploitation. What does that mean, mutual exploitation? It means that I don't really, I don't think you're my friend. I need you for something, and you need me for something. And so, Mamela, we're friends. I feel I could get something out of you. Let's say you're a, a, you're a very wealthy guy, you're a successful guy, you're popular, you're, a, you're very athletic and whatever. And by me being friendly with you, it helps my prestige. It, it makes me look good. And you found something in me that makes you look good by being friendly with me. That's mutual exploitation. We're using one another, and that's, what, that's why we're friends, because we have an alliance together. We need each other for some things, and because of that, we decided to, uh, to become friends. But obviously, like we said before, that's not really what a friendship is. That's, it's good to have people like that also. You shouldn't be enemies with people that are... But what my Rebbe was trying to say was that you are... If you go through life, and you only find one or two of such people that are really there for you through thick and through thin. You could think about it yourself right now if you were ever zeichet to such a thing. A lot of times, you know, I, I've, I have been very, very disappointed with certain people that I thought were my friends, and then when I needed them or as time passed, and for whatever reason I asked them for something and they weren't there for me. And then there are people that I was surprised, but like when things, I, when I needed them for something, when things were not so easy, they were there for me. And then the relationship grew stronger from that. But it's very rare for a person to really find somebody that they are super close with and that could really have a chibur with him. And if you have such a person in your life, and I'm not talking right now about a wife, a wife is a different schmooze talking right now about two guys that are friends with one another, if you have somebody like that in your life, then, then hold on to them and don't let go. Because it's very, very hard to come by people that are really going to be there for you and that are loyal to you. And that through thick and through thin, um, you know that you can count on them. And at the same time, they know that they can count on you. That's also very important. That's the other side of the equation. It's, it's, uh, it's one thing to like be very critical of other people and to say, you know, are, is he really a good friend of mine? But you have to also ask yourself, am I a good friend to him? Meaning, ask yourself, would I do that for him? Would I be willing to get up at 3 o'clock in the morning and with a smile run you know, to a highway to help pick him up or, or be there for him if he needs to, uh, you know, to visit somebody in the hospital and the hospital is in Connecticut and he doesn't have a car? Would I be willing to drive him? Would I lend him my car? Would I be willing to do that to him? Also, that's part of the thing also. It's one thing to demand friendship and loyalty from somebody, but it's another thing to demand it of yourself when you're giving that friendship to others, and, and friendship is a mutual thing. It's not mutually exploitive, but it's a mutual shared experience. And so if you do find a friend like that in life, then make sure to hold on to that, because that's not so pashat. It's a very rare zchus to be able to find somebody that's there for you, and that you're there for them, and that you have his back, and he has your back, and you can get through life 
so much easier with such a friend because things go easier when you're able to share life with somebody else like that. There's a famous word from Revolbe that the Lushan of Chaim, the Lushan of life, is in the plural form. It's like there's Chaim, there's Shnayim, there's Kiflayim. Why is Chaim like that? Why is it in the double form? Shouldn't it just be like Chai? What's Chaim? Why should you use word? It's very uncommon that we have a Lushan that there is no singular for Chaim. The definite life's definition is chayim. It should say chay or chay or chi. What, what's chayim? So he says that really chay is singular, but you can't have a singular form of chayim because life, he says, is an experience that is designed and was built to be shared with somebody else. The only way that Hakadosh Baruch Hu really knew that he can make man and that man could have a life is if there is somebody together with that person to share life with. If you're alone, it's not a life. If you're all alone and you're uh, you know, a person that, uh, that's why the Gemara says that if a person is shari b'loi isha, the person never gets married. If he's single his whole life, he's shari b'loi simcha and b'loi taira and b'loi, it's not a life. A person has to have somebody, a partner in life. Partner in life. When you get married, you definitely have that partner. But when you're a bacher, or even after you get married, it's very important to have friends, but friendships have to be cultivated. And friendships have to be cherished, and they have to be, um, and they have to be understood to be an essential component of life. I know many people that they're loners, and they're, their entire life they never were able to really grow and to establish themselves and to have happiness because they just were always to themselves. And a person that is really uh, living life in the way it was supposed to be is somebody that is able to find a friend, find a partner, and to cultivate that relationship which is so essential to the human experience. We know that famous Gemara in uh, in Tainus about Chayni Hamagol, that Chayni Hamagol, um, he a whole story, but he basically before he he was uh, he asked somebody uh, who was planting a carob tree, uh, how long does it take for this carob tree to grow? He said seventy years. He says seventy years. So why are you uh, why are you planting? You're not going to make it to see the fruits of this of this of this tree. He says, yeah, but when I came into the world, there were carob trees, so clearly other people were thoughtful enough to plant them for me, so I should go and plant them for future diaries. I once gave a schmooze about this, that part of the Gemara on a Tubishvat. Um, anyway, the Gemara continues that Chayni HaMagal fell asleep, and he woke up, and he saw that the place that those seeds were being planted all of a sudden, there was like a full-blown carob tree there. So he knew that he must have slept for over 70 years. I don't know if that Gemara is to be taken kipshutai or not. It's a hard thing to understand. But um, he knew that. So anyway, he went into the base Madrash. And uh, he went into the base Madrash and he said, um, does anybody, uh, 
does anybody know Chayni Amag? They said, sure, we, you know, we heard of him, but, uh, you know, he's a big Tamil Chacham, but uh, he hasn't been around for a very long time. And no one knew him, and nobody thought that he was him, and nobody, all of his friends were, were no longer, his old Dar had died out in the meantime. And he basically said, Ay Chavarusa, Ay Misusa. He says, give me a Chavrusa or give me death. And what we see from that Gemara is that if you don't have a friend, then you don't have a life. This is, by the way, the Raya that Revolbi brought in order to prove that Yisai that he gave us a minute ago, how Chaim is a Lushan double, because by definition you need to have a Chavra. You cannot say, well, I'm a loner, I'll, go, I'll, I'll sleep alone in my room, you know, I won't have a roommate, I won't have a Chavrusa, I'll learn by myself, I'll dab by myself, I'll be my... and that's, we see, like, even the matzah that we're in these days, uh, it's hard, you know, we're not in yeshiva, we're sort of alone, we have Zoom, we have a telephone, but we don't really have uh, friends. Even when we see friends, we have to stay six feet apart, and it's a, it's a very tough time in our lives, precisely because of this vart of, uh, 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 that we're saying, that you need friendship. Friendship is not an extra credit. I could really be myself, thank you very much. Well, you know, it's nice to have a chavra. It's not nice to have a chavra. It's essential in life to have a chavra. And if we don't have a chavra, that is that means that our very essence, our very being, is lacking. Revolbi continues there. By the way, if you want to look this whole um, Ali Shore up, it's in Chelek Beis, page Taf Reish Samaches. Revolbi continues that Rava um, said this Memra also about Eiv. That I chavra kechavra de Eiv, I misusa. That's the Gemara in Baba Basra on Dav Tezayin Ubeis. If I either I want friendships like Eiv, or you might as well kill me. Now, what do we know about Eiv? Eiv was there was a whole sefer Eiv written about this man Eiv. Eiv was a person that um, he suffered greatly. He suffered like no one else. In fact, whenever the Gemara wants to speak about a person that suffers, they call it Yisurei Eiv. He, he suffered tremendous pains. There was no one in the history of the world, perhaps, that went through the grief and the sorrow and the suffering of Eiv. Now, why did he go through so much suffering? So what happened was, at the beginning of Sefer Eiv, that the, um, the, the Satan said... HaKadosh was sort of like bragging Kaviyachal about Eiv. He says, I have, a, I have such a wonderful man on planet Earth. He's such a chassid. He's such a tzaddik. And he does everything that I want from him. And he's so perfect, a, a, a citizen and an Eved Hashem. So the Sultan says to him, really? He says, would you, would you be willing to test that? You really think he's so perfect? How about if I put him through a lot of trials and tribulations, you think he'll still be very faithful to you? Maybe things are going well for him, so that's why he's a good boy, and that's why he davens and he learns, and he's such a tzaddik. But, you know, let's turn up the, turn up the gas a little bit, and uh, turn up the pilot, and see if he's still such a great tzaddik. So HaKadosh says, deal. He says, whatever, he made a deal with the devil... And he says, I'll give you whatever you want. Meaning, you could do whatever you want to Eiv. But, says HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Ach es nafshai shemar. You have to 
preserve his life, meaning do anything that you want him, but he has to stay alive. You're, you, I give you a license to do everything but to kill him. Meaning you could take away his money, you could take away his, his wife, his kids, his, his everything, his health, but keep his life. Don't kill him. And then, the, then I'll allow you to, to play this game. And what happened was Hitaka did all that I just said he did. His wife died, and his kids died, and his and his fan, and he had sorrows. He lost all his money. He went through terrible, terrible yisurim. Physically, he suffered greatly. And what happens is, throughout the course of the story of Eiv, he had three amazing friends. He had three amazing friends, and they all somehow sensed that he was going through tsaris. They didn't have phones, and they all lived very, very far away from each other. In fact, um, Rabbi Ruchim brings this Misa, and there's a, a Medrash that said that they didn't live like in neighboring towns. They lived in the far-off islands, uh, very distant, and it was far away, 300 parasites. How much is a parasa? Dalad Milan, right? The Gemara tells us that a parasa is four miles, roughly, give or take. So four miles times 300 miles is 1,200 miles. That's a long distance away. They didn't have cars. They didn't have cell phones. They didn't have email. They didn't have WhatsApp. And what happened was that they all, like almost by, um, I don't know what you call it, but they had all had like a premonition that their friend was having a lot of tsarists, and they all came to him from far and wide because they sensed that something was wrong. That in itself shows you what a real friend is. A real friend is somebody that they know when something is wrong. You ever just have like a feeling that there's something going amiss with one of your friends? You, know, you didn't hear anything, but you, you just have a bad premonition about something. And if you're a good friend, you call and you say, I, I, I just sense that something is off. And very often you'll be on target because there is something almost telepathic between friends. In any event, the um, they all came to him, and they all were giving him their, they were sort of, um, they were trying to appease him from his tsaras, they were trying to give him chizok, all the things that good friends would do. Some of them were giving him eitzis about how to get out of the tsaras that he was in, and it was a very long Safer, safer. You're very difficult. A lot. The words are very hard to understand on a simple level. In fact, um, Rav Schwab, published. They published after he died, based on his shiurim, a whole very thick safer called Rav Schwab on Eiv, and he really it's a masterpiece because he goes through all these difficult words and he gives beautiful drushes on explaining the depth of all of these psukim and Eiv. But there was a great Rosh Hashiva of Slabotka. His name was Rabbi Yitzchak Isaac Sher. And Rabbi Yitzchak Isaac Sher um, was uh, one of the... He was a son-in-law of the Altaf and Slabotka. I'm not going to repeat the Misa uh, about how he became a, a, a Talmud of the Altaf and Slabotka and how he became a son-in-law. It was all based on one drasha. If you want to see the drasha, Ayin Besefer, Great Jewish Speeches... Uh, but he he heard one speech from the altar, and it changed the entire trajectory of his life from one single drasha, one shmuz. And 
he became, he took over for his father, he became the Rashiva of Slabatka. When the Rashiva of Slabatka left uh, to go, when the ultimate Slabatka left to go to Teretz uh, Yisrael, to start Hebron, or to join the Hebron Yeshiva that was already started, Rabbi Isaac Sher stayed in Slabatka, he became Rosh Yeshiva. And he says one of the greatest varts I ever heard. And this is also brought down in the Ali Shur. He says, I don't understand. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to the Satan that you could take anything that you want away from Eiv. You could do anything that you want. He gave him license to do everything. So he killed his wife, killed his kids, he killed his, you know, his mother-in-law. Everything was gone. But, and all his money was taken away, and all his health and everything, he was taken away. But isn't it strange, asked Rabbi Isaac Sher, how come the Satan left these three friends. Wouldn't you think that those are also people that the Satan should be like killing off to really tighten the screws on Eiv? If he really wants to make Eiv lose it and, and you know, really test his mettle and see how strong he is and how faithful he is to HaKadosh why would he enable Eiv to have these three friends? Yeah, I mean, if he said, well, maybe he doesn't have the rishis to kill them, but all right, so make them, I don't know, make them have, a, you know, break their legs and they won't be able to come to Eiv to, to, to offer him some, something. But why is he, in, why is Eiv still entitled or still given the ability to have these three friends? I think it's a very strong question that Rabbi Isaac Sher asks. But the answer is better than the question. You want to hear the most beautiful answer? He says, because what did HaKadosh Baruch Hu say? He says, you could do whatever you want. He, the Lashon of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is, Hinei kol asher loi biodecha. Everything that he has, I'm giving over to you. You have the keys to take away everything from Eiv. But, rak elav al tishlach yodecha. Don't touch him. And further it says, Aches nafshe shemar, you have to make sure to preserve his nefesh. Zok he says, you could take anything away from a person, but if you take away his friends, you're killing him. Part of the deal that HaKadosh Baruch Hu made with the Satan was, Aches nafshe shemar, you have to allow him to live. And since we know the rule that we learned tonight, if you take away my friends, I have nothing. You take away other things in life, it's also, it's devastating. No one should know about losing wives, losing children, losing, you know, money, losing, but that, but you could still somehow survive that, says Rabbi Isaac Sharon. But if a person has a friend, and I'm not talking again about a, a colleague, I'm not talking about a classmate, I'm not talking about a, a partner in business, I'm talking about a friend in the classical definition of what a friend is. And that's a chibur, somebody that you have a kesher nafshi with. That your friendship goes above and beyond everything, and that it's so close, and so, and it transcends all problems, money is not a factor in our friendship, and effort is not a factor, and every, nothing, nothing can get in the way of our friendship because we're so close. You take away a friend like that and a person has nothing. That would be in violation of Aches Nafshe Shemar. That would be tantamount to killing Eiv. 
and Sakrishpahu had to keep his three friends in order to the Satan had to keep his three friends in order to honestly fulfill this promise that he made with the Rabbanishlam that he will never touch the nefesh of Eev. I wanted to just conclude with a beautiful story that I heard when I was a young boy, and I've said it over in the past, but it's a it's an amazing story, I think. I don't know if it's true or not, but it could be true. So there were two Hasidish Rebbes that were very, very close. They had this Chevreshaft, they had this friendship that transcended all time and it transcended space and they were as close as as any two brothers could be and, and much closer. And they lived in in cities that were not close, not very far, but like maybe they were, let's say, I don't know, 15 miles away from each other. Okay, so they, and in those days they didn't have cars. It was a big tircha to travel to each other. They wanted to be with each other. Sometimes, you know, you can't really uh, always take leave of your community. and your, So they basically were living for many, many years. They didn't even see each other. But you know something, even if you don't see each other, you could still maintain a friendship with people. I have friends that I've had since I was a child, and we know each other. We know, and we know everything about each other. And we don't have to see each other. We see each other maybe by simchas, maybe every other year, every third year. But it transcends time and space. I don't need to see him every day, and he doesn't need to see me. But we have a kesher nafshi. Okay, so these two chasidish rabbis were so close, and they uh, they didn't see each other for a long time. But they had a chasid between the two of them, like they sort of shared a chasid. And they had this thing that every Arab Shabbos, every Arab Shabbos, the, uh, the Chassid would go back and forth between these two communities. They had a horse and buggy or whatever. And one Rebbe gave the Chassid a, uh, a, a sealed letter to take to his friend, the other Chassidish Rebbe, 15 miles away. And the other Chassidish Rebbe, in turn, gave an envelope to give back to that Rebbe. And this would go on for years. Every single Arab Shabbos, a letter was exchanged back and forth. And one day, this chassid couldn't take his curiosity anymore. His curiosity, what are these rabbis putting on these letters? What, what's, what are they writing to each other? It must be great mystical secrets. Kabbalah, maybe it's a Dvar Torah on the parsha. maybe it's uh, something to say over by Shalashudas, maybe it's, uh, you know, I don't know, secret uh, Kabbalistic uh, Kimaeus, I don't know what, what, what they're sending back and forth. So he couldn't, he, he like, Mamish was going crazy, this was like a burning, burning curiosity, and he, every week he was suffering, he was like really going crazy, so one week he said, I can't take this anymore. On the way to the Rebbe, he stops off at like a at a little, um, a little uh, place that they had coffee. He takes off the urn, he goes like into a 7-Eleven, you know, and he takes off the, 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 the top of the, the, the hot water, and he sort of steams open the letter, and he opens up the envelope, and he, uh, he opens it up, and he's expecting, his hands are shaking because he knows this is not something that he should be doing, and he sees that it's an empty letter. It's an empty piece of paper. It's very, very strange. And he puts the he puts it back in. He seals it up again, and then he says, "I don't know. Maybe he forgot to write it." So the next week, again, he opens up one of the rabbi's paper and he, he steams it open, and 
Again, it's an empty piece of paper. And then he, a third week, he does this again and again. He sees it's just an empty piece. What's, what's going on over here? So one week, he, he just couldn't take it anymore. He goes, when, his, when the Rebbe gives him an envelope to take to the other one, he says, Rebbe, he says, you know, forgive me, I have sinned. I feel very guilty, but I, uh, I couldn't. my curiosity got the best of me. I don't mind taking every week letters back and forth, but I opened it up on several occasions, and I see that it's just blank letters, and if it's just blank letters, I'd rather just like be Mavrisedra at home on Arab Shabbos, you know, or maybe help my wife, you know, go shopping or something in seasons, but like, it's not exactly so cool that I'm just taking, but like, what's going on over here? So he says like this, one of the rabbis says, first of all, you shouldn't have opened up my mail, that's first of all. He says, but now that you did, I guess you're entitled to an explanation. He says, me and the other Rebbe, we are the closest friends imaginable. We are real chaverim in the classical sense. We have a chibor nafshi between each other. We are kindred spirits. And when it comes to kindred spirits, sometimes words get in the way. Sometimes when you write something on a paper and you send it, it's, it's mitzamsim, the relationship. It limits the relationship because... That means that the relationship is based on how are you, Baruch Hashem, everything is okay with me, and you know this happened to me, that happened to me, Ba'ava, Belev Nefesh, Yeditcha, like that is that's what people need in order to build up a friendship. We have the most amazing friendship already. We don't need words. Words are limiting our friendship, and so all we do is every Arab Shabbos, just so that the other knows that the other is alive. We send each other this note, and it, you open it up, and it's a blank piece of paper, which means that all of the hergacious, all of the, the love and the, and the affection and the, and the sensitivities and all of the concern and the care and the, and, and the, and the, fr- the friendship, it's all contained in the blankness of the paper. We don't need words. Sometimes words are, are mechitzas and are mavdil almost. And that's really, I think, uh, a beautiful story to, to explain a little bit about a, what, what real friendship is. Real friendship does not mean I have to constantly be together with somebody and I have to constantly go on trips with them and go on, you know, on joy rides with that person or else I'm not a friend. If I have a friend and the friend is a loyal friend to me and I'm loyal to him, he cares about me and loves me and I care about him and love him, then you don't need to do things that ordinary people need to do because you have a real friend. And that chibor is a chibor nafshi and it doesn't only stay in this world, it goes into the next world as well. And when one, when one person dies, they almost can feel the presence of the other person. There's stories about Reb Chaim Berlin and, and, um, and, um, and Reb Itzel Blazer, I believe it was, and they came, one of them died and came back to the other one after they died to tell them exactly what was going on in the Elam Ha'emes. These are cosmic relationships. These are relationships that are not bound in any which way by, by time, place, by physicality. That's what a friendship is. And if a person, once again, is able to find such a yachid and 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 appreciate what they have when they find such a person, 
It might be a, a childhood friend. It might be a friend that you made in high school. It might be a friend that you made in Eretz Yisrael. It might be a friend that you made in Lander. But whoever it is, make sure that you appreciate it, cultivate it, build upon it, and allow it to breathe and last and carry you throughout your adult life. And when a person is able to have that, they are the luckiest person in the world because they know that they have somebody for them. They have a chayim. They have a life because life involves having such friends. And if you don't have such a friend yet, mitzvah Hashem, you will. And if you had a friend or you thought it was that type of friend, but then he turned out that he wasn't that friend, so then you'll find somebody else. But make sure to understand the importance of having friends and make sure to never let a good friend down. And once you find a friend, then hold on to him as if your life depends on it, because it does. Have a wonderful, wonderful night. Take care. Thank you, Rabbi. Thank you, Rabbi. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.